for nobody fucking new. Blog Talk Radio. There's a direct relationship between having the businesses and being in prison. Go find an Asian, see how many Asians you can find in American prisons. They ain't going to be in there. But 51% of your prison will be black because you don't, blacks don't have any businesses and industries. There's a direct link. Blacks won't practice group economics. Blacks won't practice group politics. If you don't practice, you're setting yourselves up. I told that five-story building. you set yourself to get wiped out. Understand the nature of race, which is economic. If you, if you build the first floor, it's economic. Build your businesses and your industries. Control buildings and industry, and put that pools in your money. And hold that money. And, it's a, and practice group economics <clears throat> with it. Arab and Asian money bounces 12 or 13 times for at least. Jewish money bounces 18 times. Black folk got to learn how to practice group economics. Black Americans spend every penny they get outside their own community. Then you take the money and the wealth that you get from that first floor and go to the second floor. The second floor is politics. You then take that money on the first floor and you control your politics. Black folk must quit allowing people to tell them to go out and vote. Vote for what? Nobody's going to do anything for black folk in politics. Politics is controlled by money. Major corporations who got the money. That's what controls politics. If you have no money, you have no say-so, you have no benefits coming. So you take your money and you control and you take your money from the first floor, you buy every politician on the second floor. And any politician you can't buy, you rent or lease them to get what you need. Then once you get the second floor under control with the politician, with your money, then you go to the third floor. The third floor is then is the police department and the court system. You take your money from the first floor and your politics on the second floor and you control the court system and the police department. Then the fourth floor, you t- the fourth floor then is media. You then take the money that you generate off the first floor from business and industries <clears throat> and you go after radio stations, TV stations, newspapers, and cable systems so that you can now inform and communicate with your own people. Right now, <clears throat> black folk only control less than 35 thousandths of 1% of the media in the United States. Out of 12,000 radio stations, black folk own about something like about 75 or 80. That's all. You own no cable systems. You don't have a daily newspaper. You have nothing of importance. You don't. You got about one black TV station. And you, so you can't communicate with your people. You can't inform your people. You can't do anything. You can have Rush Limbaugh and all the rest of the guys talking about racism all day long and bad-mouthing you and O'Reilly. They can talk, call black folk all kind of names all day long. What are you going to do? You can't respond. You can't even communicate with your own people because you, you don't have an economic base. 51% of all the prisons in the United States are black people. You know, even though you only make up 12% of the population. That's no accident. It's because you don't control the economics and the politics. And they're going to go after the weakest people they can get their hands on to incarcerate. That's the black folk. And what are you going to do in response to them when they, when they, over, when they, when they over incarcerate you? You're going to go out and have a march or demonstration. We're going to march. March for what? Who cares? Marching, they never changed anything.
please? All right. This morning's It's My House uh, is titled Double Standards. We got a question for you today. Double Standards are American women bullies. Once again, Double Standards are American women bullies. 619-768-2945 is the call-in number. For the live stream, we'll be back in three minutes to discuss this.
And so, Bill, I would say to you, someone who I enjoy being on panels with all the time, even watching your response to Simone right now, the kind of this overbearing, over-talking of, of, with women, is exactly the reason why Anita Hill had the kind of hearing she had when you were helping Clarence Thomas, and the reason why a lot of women refused to speak up because not only, I think, I do believe in the criminal justice system, but this is not a criminal justice situation. I agree, and I'm not right. criticizing her for speaking but up. I, think, I just I, think we need to suspend judgment until but I, we but learn I think more. you believe her. I'm saying I don't know who to believe. That's correct. And I think, and you know what that is? I've I tried think, very carefully to say that. I don't, Bill, I'm saying I don't know who to believe. I think that's okay. The reason for your, even that doubt, that is exactly why this hearing, this investigation, everything about their testimony needs to be in a public forum. I agree with so that. People sure. can make I agree with that. Well, can we also say, like, it's very brave that you come out, and I saw you did it on yeah. Twitter also, and told Absolutely. your story and shared your story. We all know you. I believe you. I'm sure everybody here believes you. I don't know Professor Ford. And so I think there are a lot of people who might just be, I want to hear what she has to say. I'm not saying she didn't do it. But first of all, she's got a polygraph, Jake. She's got therapist notes from 2012 and 2013. And some folks would say, why did it take her to 2012 and 2013? I have a cousin who just told us that she was molested and she's older now. It just, I, I don't know what the timing is. Thank God, I am privileged. I have never been subject to molestation or sexual assault. I don't know what that burden is like. But yeah. I would like for us to at least give these folks the grace to be able to come for it whenever they do. But well, I, 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 agree agree with that. I have I, one I positive thing so far that's come out of this, and I'm very serious. The initial reaction when this came out, a lot of conservative men that I follow on Twitter were like, that was 17 years ago. He was a kid. It doesn't matter. And several More of them than have 35 35 years yeah, ago, yeah. deleted their tweets, and after the, they saw the blowback, and people explained what happened yeah. to 15-year-old girls can impact them the rest of their life. And they said, you know what? You changed my mind. And so I think there has been greater understanding, even though we don't know what happened here for sure, the context, where this party took place, who could have seen it. There is more understanding of the situation. And we, we, and we all, we all we, we're going to take a quick break and then come back and talk more. I'll come to you first. Uh, I think we all agree. We want to hear more. She deserves her yeah. day in court. Yeah. All right, everybody. As you probably know, some unknown woman wrote a letter and gave it to Democratic senators claiming that Way back long ago, in the uh, early 80s, she was attacked by Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. Now, Kavanaugh has denied it, and, uh, of course, everybody has questioned the timing of this letter, and, like me, said, okay, now she wants to come forward. Well, the woman has decided to reveal herself, because she says a lot of misinformation is out there. Her name is Christine Blasey Ford, and she is a professor at... Palo Alto University in California, and uh, she has apparently went into great detail as to exactly, or at least what she says exactly, happened 36 years ago. Now, she's 51 now, so that would make her 15 at the time. She claims she was at a party with Kavanaugh and another guy, Mark Judge. They were drinking at the party. She says that Kavanaugh and Judge were actually quite drunk and that she had one beer. They were partying in a family room, she said. She went up the stairs to a bathroom up there, and when she came out, Kavanaugh and this other guy, Mark Judge, was waiting for her, dragged her into a room, and that's when, she says, Kavanaugh threw her on her bed and started groping her through her clothes. She says that Mark Judge was just laughing maniacally, watching, and then finally she got away when Mark Judge jumped on the two of them. The three of them went tumbling off the bed. She got free and ran away. Now, she says that she has taken a polygraph test and that it came back that she was telling the truth. Uh, 
As we all know, Kavanaugh is denying it. Also, Mark Judge, who was there in the room with the other two, is denying anything like this happened at all as well. Interestingly, she admits that her memory is fuzzy, which it would be after 36 years. But, uh, and uh, I guess the other question is, did she really only have one beer? How is it being remembered? Interesting how the plot is thickening on this. If Kavanaugh really did it, then maybe he shouldn't be confirmed, but I don't know. just seems amazing the timing, doesn't it? I mean, why didn't she say something years and years ago? She claimed she was afraid for her life. Maybe she should have called the police. But then again, when you're a 15-year-old girl, sometimes you're scared to do something like that. So, I don't know. What do you guys think? Comment below. We'll discuss it. Spoda, out. Christine Blasey Ford. Uh, her story was revealed in the Washington Post yesterday. She alleges that back in high school over 30 years ago, that man, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, accosted her. She was uh, assaulted. You don't automatically necessarily need to be believed. You have to have evidence and credibility to be right. believed. An 11th hour effort to derail Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court nomination tells you everything you need to know about today's left. This has all the hallmarks of an 11th hour character assassination. 11th hour attempt to smear, slander, besmirch the character of Judge Kavanaugh. 11th hour political hand grenade. They wanted this to come out right before the vote. That's why, Tom, wake up, just like they did with Justice Thomas. This was in the early 1980s. It's now 2018. She was 15 years old. She's now 51. There is ground for some suspicion there. Law enforcement would view it very, very skeptically because what? of the passage of time. What took them so long? Desperate attempt to try last minute to derail Judge Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation. It's just mm -hmm. the timing of it that a lot right. of Republicans are, are questioning now. She had repressed her memory supposedly till 2012, but it was when he was up for the Supreme Court that suddenly the stakes got higher. So it makes one wonder if this was timed. It is fair to question the timing of this. The timing here is very suspect. Why now? Why didn't this come out earlier? I don't think there's any denying that this is unusual. Somebody has to know yeah. what what her reputation was in school. Was she known I, to be truthful, honorable, honest? Well, how about her former you know boyfriends? What? I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, but if you're going to go there, then let's go there. Never told anybody until 2012, and she just said a group of frat boys were drunk and jumped on top of me for a few seconds in a bed. I think a group of frat boys beat me up a couple times, but I, I just, he actually was Brett, in fact, I'm not a secret source. Brett Kavanaugh in 1986 came to Dallas, Texas, and I was in high school, and he raped me. You have to press her on any potential bias. That, you know, this whole thing, this is a woman looking for her Anita Hill moment. Uh, you know, this is her 15 minutes. I have no idea if Judge Kavanaugh pushed this woman down on a bed at a high school house party where she wriggled free and ran away or not. What I do know is, in the 35 years since, not one other woman has raised such an allegation. 65 other women have, in fact, now come to his defense. This is an insult to real assault cases and real sexual harassment. Women who've been victimized should see this for what it is, a pure political attack, late hit on a great man. Now, once again, today's podcast is titled Double Standards. Are American women 
Bullies, live stream number 619-768-2945. We got two cases to, to, to review today. This is the first one. And this it's a question. Are American women bullies? The first audio that I played, uh, which there was, and, and I hate to bring up color, but I'm going to bring up color in this case was an African-American woman who said that she believes that this woman who comes out of the woodwork 36 years later, she believes that Kavanaugh sexually assaulted this woman with absolutely not a shred of evidence. And I, I, I'm making a comment on this. We get ready to play something about Sarah Zad Ali. Just for black women. That when this woman spoke out that she believes this woman without a shred of evidence thus far, okay, I had a little epiphany why some black men particularly young black men, get killed. Because we had too many of these women co-signing on other people's shit. That's none of their business. I'm, she, I'm, I'll play this to Zahra's Ali piece. She breaks it down better than I could. My position is that the black woman's disrespect and rebellion against the leadership and the authority of the black man is the direct cause of the breakdown in our black family structures. Now, of course, there are many black people who consider those fighting words because as black women, we have never been subject to the kind of examination uh, that our men have been subject to since we have been here. We have been somewhat protected and shielded from any kind of critiquing about our personal behavior, whereas our men have always been up for examination. Um, the book is not an attack on black women. I have never said that all black women do everything that I list in my book. Uh, none of us have lived long enough to do everything that I list in the book. But uh, most of us do some of the things that I've listed in my book. And I do say that it is not because of generalizations that we are all victimized by some of the negative patterns of behavior in the book. But the book just represents our collective contribution. This is some of everything that we have done or that we do daily that contributes to the breakup of our relationship, the destruction of our man, and the failure of our children to be able to function. They did not tell us that all of that, uh, being my own person and I'm independent, would lead to separation, loneliness, celibacy, and lesbianism. They didn't tell us that if you give up the man, you're going to take one of these things and it's worse and it will destroy your nation. They didn't give us that information. They made us think that it was some kind of glorified position to brag about the fact that I got my own job, my own credit card, my own car, so I don't need no man. I don't even know how we got that mixed up. Ain't none of that got nothing to do with being with no man. We have some serious relationship problems that nobody has been able to address us on because everybody wants to pretend that this is not going on. You know, over 60% of our women are single, widowed, separated, or divorced. They don't have a man. I just came out of Florida, and they got a housing complex that the Urban League built, which is a black organization that is for women and children only. They, don't, they say they don't allow any men in there. 
didn't have time to deal with it, but I talked about them real bad. That's the silliest program I've ever heard of. You know the women that had men if they got a bunch of children. They need fathers. They need protection. We hear about the drug problem that we have in our projects across the country. It's one of the major places that we have a drug problem. You know, we talk about the great strength that we have as black women. Well, the uh, welfare department don't rent government apartments to single black men. Those apartments belong to black women who are allowing this to go on in their home. We have not looked at what part of the responsibility do we share. Yes, black men sell a lot of drugs, and a lot of us black women get the money from them drugs and buy some of these fancy clothes we wear, drive around in some of these fancy cars. He is not doing these things alone and without support from us, whether they are good or bad. See, we have a lot of power. We are very strong women. I'm saying that we're using our strength in the wrong direction. We're using it to tear our man down, tear our nation down, instead of building it up. Having an education and a job is not, does not necessarily mean you have a successful life. I keep telling black women that to uh, raise a child, they say, well, I uh, provided with food, clothing, and shelter. That's not raising a child, that's maintaining one. To raise a child, you need a parental coalition of a man and a woman. We have sons who, are, by not having a father in the home, they don't know how to respect women. They take on the uh, black feminine, female emotionism. They're doubtful. They're indecisive. They can't make a decision. They don't know what to do about being a man, so we can't teach them that. We don't have that knowledge. We have daughters who grew up in a home where they don't see any affection, where there's no man there. They go out into the world and try to mate. They don't have no idea how to be no woman to no man how to function in a house with a man, because they haven't seen it. Most of our children, just like us, get all the information we have about how you be with a mate off television. It's the only medium that shows us anybody being together. Those rules have not worked for us. The white woman's liberation movement, we don't have anything to do with that. We have not been under the control of the black man for over 500 years, so what do we have to get liberated from them from? <laughs> they haven't been our boss. That's the white woman and her man. They're going through that, and that's their business. We don't have any business being in that. They only introduced it to I had to play that piece because, like I said, that the, out of the audio on a Kavanaugh case, uh, that woman, who happened to be a black woman, said she believed this woman coming out of the woodwork after 36 years, mind you, without a shred of evidence. And then when your son gets shot and killed, you won't have nobody there to console you. And then you got to beg or go on Facebook or some GoFundMe page to raise money to bury his ass. Anyway, back off of that soapbox. All right, today's question, I mean, podcast is titled, Double Standards Are American Women Bullies? Are American Women Bullies? This woman comes, Professor, um, I forgot her name already, Professor whatever her name is, comes out of the woodwork after 36 years. Allegedly, when she was 15, uh, she said she was sexually assaulted or whatever by uh, who we now call Judge Kavanaugh. And, um, you know, my question is, you know what, you're 15, he's 17, all right? Why didn't you go to your parents, number one, and tell them? 
Number two question for me. Why didn't you go to your principal? Because you went to a prestigious school. He went to a prestigious school in the D.C., the DMV. And Georgetown Prep, I know that. I used to play summer league basketball there every year, every summer. You get expelled for something like that. So why didn't you? Why didn't you go tell your parents, uh, your headmaster or mistress? Why didn't you tell them? And then they would have gone over to Georgetown Prep, and he could have kind of got expelled, or the Montgomery County Police. Those are three. So why didn't you go to all three? Why did you wait at this convenient time, thirty-six years later? I have a problem with that. I believe that's a form of bullying. And women, just like that first one or two audios I play, women, other women, without even having any evidence, shred evidence, they jump on it. Women, basically, you know what women do, and I guess it's a positive thing in a way, if you're a woman. Women form de facto lobbying groups to gang up on men. Culturally speaking, they're here in the United States. However, men, culturally speaking, we have been socially conditioned to man up. Man up means be a lone wolf. Man up means take your ass whip. Man up means, man, just take an L. Shut the fuck up and take an L. Look, at the Bill Cosby case, he was, it was a bunch of women that, let's, let's break down the case. First thing, the first time it was Bill Cosby and her one-on-one in court. The jury came back with a hung jury. So what the state did the second time, the women formed their de facto lobbying group, and woman by woman testified, Bill did this, Bill did this. I don't know whether he did or didn't. But the, what I'm trying to get through is these women formed a de facto lobbying group, and Bill sat here with not one man coming to his aid because in our culture here in the United fucked up states of America, when it comes to men of all colors and races, we have been culturally conditioned to take it. Man up. And I I gotta do this podcast because men, we we need to stop taking this shit off women. I don't know whether Kavanaugh did it or what. This podcast is about men we have got to start organizing around certain issues, fraternity fraud, bullshit like this, and a whole lot of other issues, and stop taking ass weapons by a group, a group ass weapon. The women that ganged up against Cosby, I said it was a de facto lobbying group. In actuality, it was a gang. But they don't call it a gang when women do it. But if we do it, it's a gang. Double standards are women, American women, I say American women across the board. I'm not bringing out any colors. Are American women bullies. Now, the next case I'm going to go to before I go to the phones is this case that happened down in Dallas, Texas, where this, and I hate to bring it up, but hell, it is what it is. 
A white woman police officer goes to the wrong apartment, allegedly wrong apartment, and kills a man, a black man in his own apartment. And now they're trying to victim shame the victim. Let me put this out here. And once again, I hate to put color on shit, but I think I have to in this case. Not all white folks are bad. I got white Hell, we all got white friends. Look, here it is. When these white police from years ago shot Amadou Diallo in New York, and then y'all moved the venue out of New York City into upstate New York, and you cleared all of those policemen. All right? Remember that? There's a thing called karma, which is more powerful and is the law of the entire universe. See, when you did that dirty shit, 9-11 happened three years later. Okay? In these communities, these suburban bedroom communities, where you move out there and you think nothing will happen to you because the element, which is commonly known as black folks or Latinos or whatever, the element, they're not out here. See, then you get some fucked up shit, Columbine. That's how karma works. It comes out of the woodwork. So the people in Dallas, the Dallas Police Department, you better do this shit right. Remember 9-11? Remember Columbia? And there's a lot of other cases where shit happens in these little pristine nothing, nothing ever happens out here when you do fucked up shit like you've been doing. Karma comes in and corrects shit. As the Muslims sometimes say, you take one of ours, and I'm not Muslim, you take one of ours, and I'll, I'll take two of yours. Let's go to Dallas. Details for us, Kevin. Yeah, this is our copy of the uh, affidavit in this case, and this affidavit represents the officer's testimony in this, one that makes it clear. Burglar in her own apartment here. More specifically, here is what this affidavit says. Officer Geiger, according to the affidavit, parked on the fourth floor parking garage here, walked to her apartment, which is 1378. That's on the third floor. She didn't know she was on the fourth floor, she has said. That's Botham Jean's apartment, 1478, directly above hers. She says the door was slightly ajar and fully opened when she put in her key, that the apartment was nearly completely dark, and that the door being opened also alerted Botham Jean to Geiger's presence in the apartment. Then she says, believing she had encountered a burglar, which was described as a large silhouette across the room in what she thought was her apartment, Geiger drew her firearm, gave verbal commands that were ignored by Botham Jean, and then that she fired her handgun two times, striking Botham Jean one time in the torso. Then it says she entered the apartment, called 911, and when asked by police and EMS where she was, returned to the front door, and only then discovered for the first time that she was in the wrong apartment. And here is the key statement, the last sentence in this affidavit which clearly represents the officer's uh, defense at this point. 
Geiger believes she was in her apartment and confronted by a burglar when she fired her handgun, striking and killing him. But here's what the affidavit does not say. It does not say that both Botham John uh, tried to attack her in any way, shape, or form. It does not say that he had a weapon of any kind. And her testimony suggests that she shot from the door and then entered the apartment and then turned on the lights to see who she shot. Then finding out later she was in the wrong place entirely. Live in downtown Dallas, Kevin Reese, Channel 8 News. All right, Kevin. Now, within the last 20 minutes, the attorney for the victim's family talked to us about the affidavit and says that he does not believe the officer's account. Yeah, I don't believe that the door was open uh, uh, when she came in. Um, I can tell you that, and, and I, you know, I, I, I quite frankly, I take issue with the idea that she didn't recognize this as her, as her apartment. I think there's a lot of evidence that, uh, I'm saying that was not her apartment. I think there's a lot of evidence to contradict that. Right now, Officer Amber Geiger is charged with manslaughter, but we've learned that charge could change. It's all up to a grand jury. Channel A's David Goins live tonight. So, David, the district attorney really made it clear that she's taking, she's uh, taking going, she's going to be going into this case and taking charge of it, right? Yeah, that's right, John. And really drawing a distinction about what has happened so far, namely Amber Geiger being arrested and bonding out of the Kaufman County Jail, and the public perception around that versus what is to come here at the DA's office up here on the 10th floor of the Crowley Courts building. And that is, the DA's office says it is now time for their investigation to really get started. We will make certain that justice is done in this case. And a big part of that, according to Faith Johnson, is keeping all the evidence out of public view. So on Monday, just hours after DPD officer Amber Geiger turned herself into and then bonded out of jail, the Dallas County DA would not speculate on why the Texas Rangers arrested Geiger for manslaughter after the four-year officer mistook Botham Jean's apartment for her own and shot and killed him Thursday night. The ultimate decision in terms of what this charge will be will be presented to the grand jury. Johnson said a grand jury will have a range of options, which could include indicting the still current DPD officer with murder. Geiger did not spend a night in jail after being arrested. According to Coffin County, she was in custody for about 90 minutes Sunday night. The DA's office says how Geiger was allowed to surrender in a neighboring county was also handled by the Texas Rangers. But today she said that's not her office's focus. Whatever treatment uh, she's going to get in Dallas County, she's going to get it, regardless of the fact that she turned herself into Kaufman County. She made those statements with Botham Jean's family by her side. Later Monday, his mother, Allison Jean, told reporters there is still so much she doesn't have answers to that she hopes the DA's office can provide. I'm not satisfied that we have all the answers. And the number one answer that I want is what happened. Tonight, we do not have a clear sense of when a grand jury may get this case. Typically, it takes a bit of investigation before a Dallas County grand jury would receive the case. Tonight, Amber Geiger is still on paid administrative leave, still employed by the Dallas Police Department. Live in Dallas County, David Goins, Channel 8 News. Now, of course, the calls for justice don't end with the district attorney. Today, faith leaders representing the African-American Pastors Coalition took turns leading prayers outside of DPD headquarters. They say pastors want answers about a shooting that's left congregations confused and disturbed. Fresh anger and outrage this afternoon following Botham Jean's death. It's been one week since John was killed in his own apartment by a Dallas police officer. She says she thought his apartment was hers. 
Jean was laid to rest on yesterday. That same day, police released the findings of a search warrant of his apartment. Among the items seized, 10 grams of marijuana. Botham Jean's mother says that information was released to assassinate her son's character. The information received yesterday is to me worse than the call that I got on the morning of Friday, September 7th. To have my son smeared in such a way, I think shows that there are persons who are really nasty, who are really dirty, and are going to cover up for the devil, Amber Geiger. Dallas police officer Amber Geiger is out on bond, charged with manslaughter in Jean's killing. Attorneys for his family asked repeatedly at today's press conference why search warrants were not issued for the officer's apartment or car. This is Tanya Eisers in our Dallas newsroom right now, and we heard some new warrants came out today. So, Tanya, uh, can you tell us about those? Well, these are five uh, search warrants that were obtained by the Dallas County District Attorney's Office. Uh, two of the warrants allowed investigators to uh, seize the door locks on both of their doors and also to download uh, data related to those door locks. A third warrant allowed them to get back into his apartment and do what they call laser measurements of the firearms trajectory. They also took uh, collected gunshot residue as well as took uh, more pictures and photographs inside his apartment. And the fourth and fifth warrants allowed them to uh, seize surveillance video. They also took uh, what's called elevator access door lock reports and a lock audit report for both of the apartments. And, and it's pretty clear what, what investigators are trying to accomplish here is they're trying to either uh, prove or disprove uh, Amber Geiger's story about how she got into this apartment. She has said that that apartment door was slightly ajar and that's how she got in. So it's pretty clear the kinds of things that they're uh, seizing that they're trying to uh, determine her story as they prepare to take this to a grand jury. Uh, also, we did confirm today that they did do a consensual, a consensual search on Amber Geiger's apartment in the hours uh, after the shooting. Uh, it's unclear uh, what was taken uh, during that search because there wasn't uh, a search warrant affidavit that was done because it was consensual. Back to you, John. Well, uh, Tanya Eiser reporting tonight. By the way. All right. Today's question, uh, double standards. Uh, some people might say they are, and some people might say there are no double standards between women, women, men and women in this country. But are American women bullies? This police officer goes in. With her gun, we don't know what we don't know the real story right now, but <clears throat> she's she's got people on her side. Uh, I mean, victim shaming a guy who got shot in his own department. That, 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 is that a new low? I know some low shit happened, but is that a new low? And um, with the Kavanaugh, with the uh, the Kavanaugh thing uh, confirmation. 36 years, uh, you know, it, it you know, in, in the Kavanaugh case, it, it, since we're going back 36 years, let's, let's take whoever was the chaperone of that party, let's lock them up. Okay, did, did you tell your parents, and your parents didn't do that? Let's lock your, let's go, if your parents, if her parents are still living, Let's lock their 80 ass years old asses up. Let's lock them since we're going back. 
Live stream number 619-768-2945. Are American women bullies? That's the question. Three six. I mean, uh, 346 area code, your mic is open. Uh, good morning, L.A. Good morning, Warren. All right, man. I um, I guess I kind of, as they say, did my heart so good to turn on to to to, to log in this morning and uh, hear you talk about this topic and make the statements that you're making. It really did my heart good because uh, I think we have, especially men in America, we have lost our way. We've become soft. We've become effeminized. Yes, American women are bullets, uh, and it's because of the policies and the laws that have been made to try to make everything and everybody equal. This is the problem I have with the left and globalization. They want to make everything and everybody equal on the same level. That itself is against nature. That's, that's just that's just not natural. I mean, you look at we are different and different by nature and different for a reason. You know, men are big, men are muscular, women are small and petite. Uh, you know, men, the majority of inventors in the world, 95% or more of the inventors are men. You know, women are more so the nurturers. So to take on uh, the attitude of this Me Too movement and Black Lives Matter, which is ran by lesbians, um, in terms of how they used to say it in church, I call it a Jezebel spirit. It's basically taken over. And men have become scared to be men, They're scared to speak up and scared to take the leadership and position of authority that nature has given us. So we do have a problem with that. And unless and until brothers like yourself and me and others step back in that role and just take it back, you know, we're going to, we're going to find ourselves in a worse shape than we end because we're, we're already uh, reverting back from what, that is, and I think this is why a lot of people, a lot of especially the women movement, have a problem with Trump. You know, uh, I'm a I'm a President Trump fan. I believe that's one thing that a lot of people have a problem with. He represents that manhood that we haven't had in a long time. In spite of his faults that people may look at, he steps up and he does what he wants to do, and he says what he wants to say. And he's not going to back down. That's what we need. You know, that's my comment. Well. I agree with you now. Now, and you on Facebook alone, because see, this 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 has really come to epidemic proportions. A lot of men, because we have not banded together as de facto lobbyist groups for various issues, paternity fraud, mm-hmm. even stuff like I mean, thirty six years wait. Like I said, I don't know what happened, but why wait thirty six years? But here's the thing: on Facebook. As well as other places online, but I'll, I'll just say Facebook, and, and you know this from here. Their their talk shows, their blogs, their Facebook forums that are set up by uh, American, actually Western, not men, because they're just not in the United States of all races, and they have decided to, you know what? I'm not going to date American women. I'm not going to marry a woman. I'm yeah. going to go outside yeah. the country. And, and, and deal with women that way. Um, and uh, there's also, what's it, MGTOW? Mid, no, men going their own way. They're not men getting going their like own that. way, yeah. But they, yeah, yeah. they do not, they're done with a westernized women because this, this phenomenon is going on in England, France, Spain, westernized countries. 
So, uh, because women are, I mean, they've been, what do you think it'll take for us men to get together? Because, like, let's take it on, let's take with the, the issue of paternity fraud, where, uh, and I had a guy on this podcast uh, a couple of years ago, Carnell Alexander out of Michigan. There was a woman up there that put his name on some government form so she can get money from the state. Now, he was incarcerated at the time that she did this. And some years later, you know, he was driving, he got pulled over on a routine stop, and they ran a check, and he got arrested because he had, there was a bench ward out for him because he owed money. And he didn't know nothing about it. After he went through the personal expense to prove that he was not the biological father of this woman's child, um, the judge said he still had to pay. And he's not an isolated case. There's many cases like this. So, Warren, he, oh, yeah. he's a lone wolf. So, what do you think it'll take for men? Because there's a whole lot of guys. There's voting blocks of men, black men, Asian men, white men. Native American men, they're voting blocks of black, I mean, of American men in jail right now on child support on children that are not theirs. But they're sitting there as long wolves. What do you think needs to happen you know, for these men, actually, all men to get together to put an end to this fraternity fraud? That's a good question. Like, I think if we could get together, I think we could change things because it is ultimately the people uh, who decides the law. But especially we, a lot of right. us are so divided on politics and a lot of us don't even want to be involved in it and think it doesn't work and we need to get our own thing. And there's so much stupidity going on that keeps us from binding together because what actually happened, and one of the reasons why uh, the women have such a large control is because they're more populated than us. And so that goes back to America and its greed. That goes back to money. Women are the biggest spenders. They're the biggest shoppers. So why not let's cater to them? And so they've taken advantage of this, and they've come together, and they've bound together, and they've got laws changed and things uh, that go in their favor. And we're sitting back wondering what happened, and instead of taking taking charge and, and taking control and bringing things back into its natural state or its natural order, and the sad part of looking at it about it is that the 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 the, uh, the freedoms that women enjoy in America was basically given to them by men. You know, it was given to them by men. This was country was ran like any any other country, especially like African countries. You talk about children in African countries. If that family separates, it's automatic giving the children go with the father. It's no if and buts about it. And the mother may not even get a chance to see her children again. So we have done things so backwards. And we have allowed that and catered to that and don't know how. And a lot of us are scared of the laws or whatever instead of stepping up and making the changes that need to be made. So we do need to do that. Men are the ones that have given women the rights that they have. Men are the ones that have invented things to make women life more easier. You know, as far as the washing machine or certain uh, inventions that we brought in to make their life easier, and now it's turned around and taken and then want to look at us and say, well, you're this and you're that. And making men shamed to be men is shame or scared to speak up and be a man. So we we have a serious issue on our hands. That's that's true. Like I said on Facebook, there's no shortage of forms of men, MGTOW groups, uh, videos on YouTube that men have basically said, you know what, I uh, 
You know, I'm afraid of American women. I'll I'll take a flight down to the Dominican Republic. There's a gang of men who go to Brazil. And all it's around the globe. It's just not black men of all colors. Right. A lot of them yeah, just had it. And you do have some good you do have some good women now. But the right. thing is, it's the fear factor. Well, you might be all right, but your sister, your mother, your best one of them might try to sabotage it. So uh, a lot of men have, uh, you know, it, it's because uh, this is uh, ladies. Uh, if like say in the case of this Kavanaugh thing, talk to your the young ladies coming up. If there is a sexual assault or something like that, don't wait to report it. Don't wait 30 days to report it. Don't wait three weeks to report it. Report it is within 24 hours. Report it within 24 hours. I mean, don't. I mean, this this is this is well, politically speaking, they're throwing a hail mary. But uh, and this woman's married. Uh, I think she's got two sons. And of course, I'm not her husband. But if I was her husband, men out there, you got to check your woman. Because this woman has it. You know what her problem is? You know, I, I probably get talked about it. This woman, for 36 years, hasn't been checked. She should have been checked a long time ago. And see where I'm looking at the case? This case for her is she's been getting away with pulling shit like this for 36 years. So this is just another one of her victims, attempted victims, just having on the because that's how I look at the Sandra Bland case. Sandra Bland, God rest her soul, I'm sure she was a good person. But Sandra Bland, in my opinion, I'm entitled to her opinion. Sandra Bland would be alive today as she does shut yes. the fuck up. But yes. she had been used to, she's been getting the press by talking, because typically I do it. I do it. I, let a, I don't try to argue with a woman. Because I'm not going to win, even if you think you win, you've lost. So I just shut up, take it, and if I'm in a relationship with them, I say, well, you know, I'll just wait three days, and three days later, she would have forgot about me, and everything would be back normal. I I give women passes like that, so I'm guilty of doing this shit. But we collectively we have got to stop giving women passes. They need to be checked. They check us. When we're wrong, we need to check them when they're wrong. Warren, that's it's a danger in that though. And what I mean by that, it, it is a known factor that a man cannot whoop a woman with his mouth. It's not going to happen. And what happens, nope. men, because of the laws, and this is where a lot of uh, domestic violence has come into play because women have just beat men up with their mouth, and before they know it, they physically retaliated. And that's when right. that happens. That's a natural reaction from a man because, quite naturally, he don't like to be whooped with his with, 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 with the mouth. He's beating him up emotionally, so he reacts physically. Next thing you know, the law is beating him up and locking him up. And you want people want to come down on uh, on uh, domestic violence. Well, action causes a reaction. I'm not taking up for men being uh, domestically violent to women, but I do understand. I'm not ignorant, so I do understand. So it causes a man to. 
uh, kind of like go in the closet or something, but I've got to the point where I am now in life because I've experienced all this stuff. I'm not taking trash, period, and I would rather be alone before I do that because all of these things, men were, were born to conquer. Men were born to be creators and inventors. And a lot of men have never reached their full potential because they have a woman at home that is destroying their thoughts, their mind. Probably they they talking to them like they're talking to kids. And so when you deal with all that, you can't really focus and be who you are and become who you are unless you make changes. You man enough to stand up and make changes, then you can just kiss your life goodbye. It's just that simple. Yeah, that's true because it's even hazardous to raise your voice <laughs> to a, to a woman in this culture. Uh, because then they can say, well, that's assault. Uh, batteries when you hit with somebody. But if you raise your voice, they can say, well, he, you know, he, like I said, domestic violence takes place. A lot of domestic violence cases they have nothing to do with violence. Just words. Yeah. Yeah, that, that happened. One night I was uh, coming, into, coming home, and uh, me and my woman got into it about something. We were arguing. She wouldn't, you know, and I, I got kind of, Loud, we we were getting ready to come in. The police pulled by, and he just stopped. He just stopped and parked and just stopped looking, you know, as to intimidate me, you know. And of course, me being me, I kept on saying what I had to say because I wasn't going to be intimidated. So we we, we have an issue in this country with that big time. And then here's another thing, ladies, not all of you ladies, when you're in a new relationship with your new man. Okay, don't call your ex to come over to straighten out your new man. <laughs> Double standards. Let me go to the key. 410 area code, uh, our American women book. You talking to 410? Yeah, yes, sir. Brother Elliot, you know what? This is a very sensitive and touchy subject to me. I know. Because, uh, That's why I'm in secret location. Yeah, and, you know, I want to first uh, apologize to Sister I guess that's a new for yesterday because we were needling her pretty hard yesterday. I just want her to know that she needs to keep doing what she's doing and forget about us men. The court we said yesterday but on your subject today. Look. I'm an I'm a black man that was raised in this country. This Me Too movement has always existed for black men. Okay, I said this Me Too movement has always existed for black men. There are Scottsboro boys, Emmett Till. And you can go on and on and on. And the thing is, no, right. we'll let you to dance. And right. I don't like getting right. in. I don't like getting in on white issues. I could give a damn about Judge Kavanaugh and what his problems are. Especially with well, what well, we let's take, let's, let's take the other case country. now. Let's take the other case I played. The case in Dallas with a white police woman. Allegedly, uh, well, she shot and killed a black man in his own apartment, and they're attempting to victim shame the guy who got killed. See, I'm, I'm well, that's nothing new. That, 
Well, that's nothing new with us black folk. I mean, when a when a brother gets shot, the first thing they want to do is pull up this police record and and do a profile on him and background check and everything else. So, hey, I mean, that's nothing new with us. So what I'm saying is this: sometimes we need to get out of the middle of white folks squabbling. You know, there's an old saying: when you see your enemy making a mistake, don't stop him. Don't get in his way. And the thing I'm saying is this, this Me Too moment is way late for us black fellows because I just named some famous cases, but there's been thousands of cases where a white woman said, hey, he raped me, and you know what happened to a brother. So with that being said, I mean, this thing about Judge Kavanaugh, the hell with him and all the rest of them, you know, Bill Cosby, they went back, what, 47 years on his butt because he was trying to gain a position of power in the media world. So, you know, my thing is this. I don't get in the middle of white issues, because we should have been discussing this a long time ago as black men about, hey, you know, this this thing about black men being persecuted because of what a woman says. And I give you this. The reason why I'm so sensitive about it, got a lot of these light-skinned black folk white men took advantage of our women because we as men weren't in a position to protect our women. And the thing sure. is, they go out in the field and say, look, I want I want that bitch over there. Excuse the expression. And that yes, black woman did, had to go to him and look, some of the most famous men in society, your Jeffersons, your Washingtons, and so on and so on, all they did was go in and rape and abuse our black women and they had, we had no recourse, whether we were a man or a woman. And today, if a black woman said a white boy raped her, she don't get no justice at all. So, you know, that's why I'm so sensitive about it. Because if a black woman get up there and say, look, he raped me and it's a big time white boy that's got money and power. Do you think they're going to listen to her? Even if she gets uh, a rape test kit. They're using the justice system to try and figure out a way to get this boy out of the stuff. And I'll give you an example. You gave an example a few minutes ago, this Dallas shooting. This girl has has tried to change the venue by going out in the county. I think that's what you were saying. Instead of being, uh, having her case looked at in the Dallas metropolitan area. Am I, did I hear you right? No, I didn't say that, but maybe one of the, uh, the audio said that though. Well, well, here's the thing. You remember uh, the Rodney the King Texas, case? The Texas Rangers. I, I don't know who. Uh, it happened in Dallas. I guess Dallas County, but the Texas Rangers had the first crack at investigating, and that's a venue change, I guess. Or jur- I don't know how, what's the correct legal term, but uh, the, the Texas well, Rangers, instead of the Dallas police, investigated first. Uh huh. Well, you know, I gave you a couple of cases the other day about uh, South Carolina when Dylan Roof wanted, uh, when they arrested him, uh, they wanted to change, the, I guess the right word is the venue from the feds to the state so that he wouldn't get the death penalty. And the same thing that shot the brother in the back, you know, the state of South Carolina went ahead on and, and had his trial set under the state. And when they found out that the feds was going to come in because uh, you know, his civil rights were violated. They were going to change it over to 
uh, he pleaded guilty under the state so that he wouldn't get the death penalty under the feds. But all of this stuff about unequal treatment, we black people got to be very, very careful about what we get in the middle of when white folks are squabbling because we've always got to show them to just stick on some of the shit. Excuse the expression. So my thing is you know what? You're also... Absolutely, you're absolutely right. I'm glad you brought up that distinction because historically speaking, Emmett Till, Black, Black Wall Street, how did that start? Somebody said a black man assault, uh, said something out of pocket to a white woman elevator operator. Tip, uh, God knows how many black men have been lynched just on a false accusation like that. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. And we need to we need to organize. Yeah, we need to have a black man's lobby on that alone anyway. Well, a black man. Hey, well, I I know some people on the panel here might disagree with me. But black men should have done this a long time ago. We have to wait until white boys get persecuted on something before we jump on the bandwagon and say that ain't right. Hell, it's been it, it ain't been right for the last one hundred years that we've been around this joint. So when we black folks start talking about what ain't right and what is right, we should look at our particular situation and figure out what's right because the Scottsboro boys was really messed up, and there's been a whole lot of other cases about what's been going on but we don't get we don't get sensitive to some things before uh, until white boys get messed up or white people get messed up and that's where well, i have a problem me, now the other thing well, let me, i'm like you let, let, mm, let, let me put all right now what two three years ago uh warren houston had this thing called the people's law study group with free free conference calls on monday nights he did it every monday night for like, man, two, three years, something like that. It was past two years. And it was, uh, you know, the conference calls were free, and he was trying to encourage people on a local level to start, you know, law classes, you know, with a, a basic membership, and people were pulling teeth. So, I mean, Warren, so that Warren, I got to admit, Warren Houston tried something like that to get get black folk organized. But, Warren, you want to comment on that? No, his light's still on. He went. So I, well, I, well, look, I, I've seen him on some get, of his phone calls. Huh? Well, here's the thing. We don't, we don't, we don't weaponize our money. We just got them throw our money to the wind. So we one time before, yeah, we need to go in and set up a cadre of lawyers, just like the ACLU does, so that we can right. deal with particular issues in the black community. That's what we need to do, and we need to make sure you know that we have lawyers that's on call a, all the time. That's an excellent idea, and that's, which will be much, much better than prepaid legal. Yeah, well, prepaid legal is just a scam, in my opinion. But look, let me get to this other thing. We need to respect our black women. Now, this thing about, hey, look, yeah, a woman's mouth is, is a two-edged sword. They can help you, they can hurt you. And the one thing that black men got to do is, and one thing that we have at fault is, we stop being men. When I was growing up, black men was men. They women respected, our black women respected them, and they respected our black women because we, we all knew what kind of mess we was in under this system. But since we've gotten a little education, 
since we've gotten a little status and since we've gotten a chance to mess with some other races here, we have put black women on the back burner. Where I live at, a black woman don't stand a chance. White girls done took over the whole thing. You see more black men with white women than white men with black women. And the thing is, the sister has sit here and, and taken this stuff. And if you notice, there ain't no difference between how a black woman and a black man is treated in this society. And I was just looking at Fannie Lee, Fannie Lou Hamer the other day when she was talking. And the thing is, our women have always been in the forefront of our struggle, sometimes leading the struggle. And I believe that we should have our women on equal footing. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of them, you just want to grab them and shake them because they just run the darn mouth. And you've had some audio of them and these hair salons and everything running the mouth and everything else. But you got to be patient with some of them because some of us brothers do deserve a tongue lash. Some of us, yeah, that's what we do some need to of be us, checked some time of us got some problems. I'm just saying, yeah, we do need to be checked. But I'm saying, but when we attempt to check them, not all of them, but then we can get, we can get, a, we can get a case on us. Well, yeah, because but you know what? If you, man, if, if you a man, some women got the police on speed dial. Does she yeah, say anything yeah, she don't and, like? They'll call the police. And that woman you run away from just like you've been scalded with a bucket of hot water like Air Green. But, you know, we have a choice. If you know you got a problem in a relationship, you drop that relationship and go on about your business because if you stay there long enough, like you said before, you're going to get in trouble. And that's where you have to make a a judgment. You know, hey, your heart heart may say stay, but your head say go. And that's what you got to do. But uh, for us to get in the middle of some mess, about what's going on with white folks and white women coming with this stuff now. Hey, you know what? We've always been under a Me Too movement. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to end this conversation right now. Until we go in and do what I've been telling you all the time about an identity crisis, we're going to always be in a mess here. And the one thing that we can't do is take on white men's problems. We got enough problems of our own, and uh, all you got to do is just say, hey, I'm going to take care of my stuff. He take care of his shit, because the thing is, most of the shit we're going through is is shit he's put on us anyway, and I get off and let somebody else talk. That's true. Again, in case of a Kavanaugh, you're right. We have been accused. (laughs) We're experts at getting accused. So you do have a very good point. Yeah, Erico, three fourteen. Your mic is open. Man, look, Kwame, I'm gonna have to. What's the brother's name? Connie. This Connie. Connie, I'm gonna have to disagree with you on this now. I won't judge. <laughs> I won't judge Kavanaugh to be elected. <laughs> see, see, you gotta realize. That everybody ain't in that one situation <clears throat> And I want a constitutional lawyer I'm sorry, a constitutional judge And also one that have conservative thoughts Because when issues come up on in the court Like inheritance taxes When issues come up on the court about gun rights When issues come up in the court about uh, independent school Justice Thomas was the best 
Justice and put out a opinion in the case called Jenkins versus Missouri. It is a landmark opinion that he put out in favor of basically school choice. He even quoted Malcolm X in that opinion. So no, you got to remember that uh, you have people within what you call black society that is a part of this society monetarily and otherwise, and they expect to receive the best that they can possibly receive. Everybody can't be poor. And uh, that's that thing about all, I mean, some, but uh, this old boy right here, he, uh, I won't cover, I hope Kavanaugh is uh, confirmed. And this stuff that's going on with these people going back to uh, the time period that you see is totally ridiculous. Like Warren saying, Warren, I, I, on Facebook, I, I linked you to a issue with uh, a black man that I yeah, know just, just had. <laughs> Share that with yeah, uh, L.A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when this woman poured a pot of hot black rice on his back. So, uh, and I I know both of them. And I never would expect that out there, sister. But she's such a nice little woman. But I'm going to tell you what I did, L.A. I went to Africa out in the bush and got me a wife. There's no way in the world I would chance <laughs> a woman from America. Nobody. Hell to the north. And I'm taking my grandson. I'm taking my grandson over there too. Already getting him lined up. Because it's just too risky, man. And see, if it ain't the woman, it's her aunties. Them aunties can be lethal. And, uh, it was a girl, a young girl that was messing with him, talking to him. And I asked my daughter, I said, who is this woman? Who, I mean, no, I didn't say woman. I said, who is this girl? And, uh, you know, we got to talking. And I said, well, what about her family? And she said, well, aunties are something else. Well, I said, look, Q, you ain't messing with you. I didn't say it like that, but I did everything that I could to get in the way of it. And I think I was successful. Other words, at the phone ring, I got my ears period listening to the conversation. And when she came over, I didn't smile. So, well, there's a lot like there's a lot of men that are like going to far flung places and 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 leaving the Western woman alone. Well, you're right, and and like I said before, this thing that uh, all of a sudden don't popped up because. They call themselves getting back at Trump, who is a very uh, alpha male sort of a figure, and uh, and who kept to the campaign issues that he campaigned on. I never have seen one of them do that. They always come up with some reason why come they have to shift course, which is basically nothing but lies. Come on, lies. But he's kept to them, mm-hmm. and that there mm-hmm. earns him my respect. I don't care who they are. Human beings are human beings. Hey, can we say that about uh, some of the leaders that have popped up there and keeps popping up there within black society? Hell no, you can't say that. 
they uh, take advantage of these instances. Look at your public schools. You got black administrators and principals and so on. But when somebody like myself, or probably even you, L.A., was standing in the auditorium talking to kids, they pulled that hook out that comes that was on what was that show that used to be on the yeah at the Apollo. That hook will come out and grab you and pull you off the stage. But anyway, I just wanted to add that. And so for Warren, you laid it out real well, man. If if I could draw a picture of a father, it would look like you. <laughs> oh, thanks. All right man. now. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, tomorrow we're going to be uh, we kind of sent you something on the IM. We're going to uh, do something on banking here related to everyday things, banking. And uh, on that note, we're going to. And it's short for today, so everyone thank you and have a good rest of the day. Hello.